Welcome to Multilingual Montessori, a podcast where we discuss multilingualism, multiculturalism, and raising children from a Montessori perspective. I'm Gabrielle Kutkov, an AMI Montessori guide and TESOL instructor, and I'm the founder of Multilingual Montessori. You can find me on Instagram at multilingual.montessori and on my website at multilingualmontessori.org. Today is a very special day. I started this podcast exactly two years ago in September 2021. Since then, I've interviewed over 40 educators, parents, authors, researchers, and experts about Montessori and multilingualism. It has been such a joy for me to conduct interviews and to hear about how multilingualism plays a part in so many people's lives. Whether you've listened to many episodes or just a few, I hope you've also been able to take inspiration from how others are approaching multilingual parenting and multilingual education from a Montessori perspective. A few months after I started the podcast, in December 2021, I put together this bonus episode with advice from the first 10 guests that I interviewed. At the end of each episode, I invited each guest to share some advice that they had for listeners, and then I compiled all that advice into one episode to share with you. But before we get into it, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has joined me on this podcasting journey over the past two years. Thank you for listening, thank you for your feedback on episodes, and thank you for helping me make the podcast what it is today. So without further ado, let's get into the advice from the first 10 guests on the Multilingual Montessori Podcast. My first podcast guest was Thais Zaytuni, a trained Montessorian from Brazil who lives in London with her Irish husband and their two-year-old son. I asked Thais what advice she had for parents who were curious about Montessori or interested in raising their child from a Montessori perspective. Here's what she had to say. I think that for parents who wanted to <clears throat> advise, let's say, if I, if I can give in anyone an advice how to raise your child, it's just, it's really hard to shut the outside noise there is mm. a lot of experts and and people who know things and etc but i would say really follow the child it is a big cliche but you know our children they are not trying to manipulate us or they don't need training they don't need you know like a very hard authoritarian person they you know just love them kiss them comfort them, look at them, who they are. And I, I think that's the best piece of advice for any parents, really. And if you are interested in Montessori, just, yeah, look for, there are very good books out there. And, you know, maybe some schools that offer kind of sessions, workshops, things like that. But, but I would say Montessori really is about slowing down a little bit, looking at the child and see what it is that they are trying to communicate and time, allow them time. Our mm. lives is so rushed, you know, really allow them time to take, if we can, as much as we can and when we can and when is appropriate, just allow them time to go up and down the steps 300 times and that will happen. 
and just let that happen it's okay yeah that's what i would say yeah just allow them time let them you know it's there's nothing wrong with you know with 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 the way that they are nature made this the way they are because there is something you know that it, it is it is the way it is so just really respect them yeah On episode two, I interviewed Ginny Gonzalez, the director of early childhood at Austin Montessori School in Austin, Texas, who has been working in Montessori for 22 years. She is originally from Puerto Rico, and she's a mom of three bilingual sons. I asked Ginny what advice she had for parents who want to raise their children with two or more languages. Whether it's a single parent household or a couple uh, situation that the most important thing is to be committed to what you want to offer to your child and have an understanding of what that's going to look like and what's going to require for the adult, the adults, you know, sometimes there's caretakers or extended family who's in the mix. So that we are really offering something with a lot of integrity, with a lot of beauty. The other thing that I will always recommend that even though we have parents who are bilingual and speak two or three different languages, I feel that when you share with your child your maternal language, your language of origin, there's a lot of soul, there's a lot of beauty there. Mm. So it is it is better, in my opinion, to if if you want to have a situation where your child is exposed to a different language, but you yourself uh, are not very articulate or, you know, because, you know, we learn how to speak our language when you're, when you're little, that maybe you hire someone that does, you know, quote unquote, the living with your child, mm-hmm. the, the living stuff, the, the nanny that might come to, to your house and, and prepares dinner and prepares baths and takes them to their swimming lessons so that that person will be committed to the language that they are speaking to that child. I think I think that's that's everything. If a child is exposed to a, a language with a lot of consistency and the person that is speaking that language is their native language, you know, there's the, that musicality, that that the rhythm, the you know, the child will really absorb all of those nuanced, um, you know, differences of, of that particular language. So stay committed that this is what you want and then see it through for the first at least five years. Because once mm-hmm. the child has been exposed to the same language for five years, that's where that acquisition of language 
is is coming to an end, they will not lose it if they if they are exposed to it. On episode three, I interviewed Chelsea Daniel, a Montessori guide and yoga instructor, about the intersection between Montessori and mindfulness and how we can practice mindfulness with young children. I asked Chelsea what advice she had for teachers interested in incorporating yoga and breathwork into their classrooms. Especially for Montessori, we already know this. Follow the child, follow their interests. So if you'd like to teach yoga in that way, like follow it. If they're interest individu- interested in it individually, then have those cards out for them to see the yoga poses, have a yoga mat available for them. Um, if your classroom as a whole is interested in it, maybe see if your school can get yoga mats and you can do it on the playground or wherever you might have movement space. Um, and you can make it fun, right? It doesn't have to be like an adult class, like Warrior 2 to <laughs> Warrior 3, you know. It, make it an adventure. Incorporate what your children are learning into it. You know, if they're interested in volcanoes, make a whole thing about volcanoes. If they're interested in, I don't know, dogs, just be different dog breeds the whole time. <laughs> you know, you can do so much within it and just use their sense of play, their imagination to really get them engaged and... I think that they'll love it. It's going to be great. On episode four, I spoke with Marilla, a monolingual mom raising two bilingual sons. Marilla described herself as going from thinking Montessori sounded kind of cultish to being, as she put it, a hardcore Montessori mom. Marilla shared this advice for parents when navigating life outside the Montessori bubble and spending time with families who have different parenting views or practices from their own. I would say that finding a good like parent community is so important. You know, I think as teenagers, you know, everyone, you know, I I remember hearing things about like peer pressure and um, you know, how important it is to choose your friends wisely. Um, and I would say the same is even more true as a parent. And I don't mind, you know, like I have friends from like across the whole spectrum, politically or, um, you know, choose your divisive topic. And I feel like I have friends across the whole spectrum, but it's been a challenge to figure out how to reconcile that and, you know, have healthy adult relationships and still create like a a safe and um, nurturing environment for my children. Um, And I don't even know if safe is quite the right word, but like Yeah, just being really honest with my children about what I think, but maybe um, they might have a different opinion one day, you know, like if someone, if we're in a social situation with another adult, maybe, um, you know, to to kind of explain the different viewpoints um, and then say, you know, honestly, I don't know. At the end of the day, what do you think? 
On episode 5, I spoke with Hannah Ewart Crocker, a former Montessori child who worked as the director of the farm school program at the Denver Montessori Junior Senior High School for seven years. Hannah shared this advice about working and living with adolescents. I think the, like the biggest piece is, and the hardest piece, especially when you live with them every day or work with them every day, is to treat them as if they're already adults in some ways, right? Like you're still going to have to set boundaries and make decisions because they can't do those things themselves. But Dr. Montessori has a quote. I'm going to read it because it's really good. She said in, in the, um, there's three appendices in from childhood to adolescence where she talks about what adolescent education should look like. They're like the most important text for us Montessori adolescent people. She says the adolescent must never be treated as a child for that is a stage of life that he has surpassed. It is better to treat an adolescent as if he had greater value than he actually shows than as if he had less and let him feel that his merits and self-respect are disregarded. And this is like so hard, right? To give them that level of independence, to trust them and to like hope that <laughs> hope that they do the right thing in some situations, but to really treat them as if they are emerging adults rather than like coming out of childhood because they don't want to be children anymore for the most part. Everyone's different, but for the most part as a group, they really want to show that they are gaining their independence, that they are adults, that they can act like adults. And they'll do that whether or not you support them, in that, right? Like they will... They will do it no matter what. And so the more that you can help structure that for them and share your thinking around this, this is why this routine is in place for us in our house, or this is why I'm asking you to limit your screen time. I think the more that shows them respect and, and, you know, and just other things like get them outside and respect that they need to be in person with their friends. Like they're also developing empathy during this time. Like this is a really important time for empathy development. And so that a lot of that happens in person, right? Like when we look at other people's eyes and we read their faces and um, yeah, just being in like human form with other people, I feel like is really so essential for their development, but can be really hard to navigate when you are a family and you have to drive in places and, and all yeah. that. On episode six, I spoke with Lucy Tomashova, a mother and Montessorian who lives in Prague. Lucy is the founder of the free online Childhood Potential Montessori Conference and is the mother of three bilingual children. Here's the advice she had for parents. I think um, to be calm (laughs) (laughs) and to not look too much at all the perfect Instagram photos of all the perfectly prepared environments with all the perfect uh, uh, materials uh, with all the perfect kids (laughs) 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 and I don't mean to be um, you know rude in any way Uh, I just want to say that it's just photos and uh, sometimes as parents we uh, we feel that we are not doing enough or that we are doing something wrong or that um, 
we missed something uh, while raising our children. And uh, I think it's important to see that it's not like that, that we are doing the best that we can. Actually, the fact that your listeners are already listening to this podcast, they are already doing something for Mm -hmm. themselves and for their children. And uh, I think it's very important to uh, take care of ourselves as well, to feel I'm okay, I'm doing, I'm doing okay, and my child is okay, and we love each other, and that's, that's a lot. On episode seven, I spoke with Jessica Winery, a mom and Montessori guide who started her own Montessori school in 2020 during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Jessica shared this advice for parents who are curious about Montessori or interested in incorporating Montessori principles into their family routine. I, I would tell families that Montessori is not the materials. I think that's what people think of when they think of Montessori. They think of all the beautiful materials and they are beautiful. Oh my gosh, they are so beautiful. Um, but it doesn't have to be about the materials. It doesn't have to be pricey. That was my first worry. Cause my first impression of Montessori was like, Oh, it's nice, but it's also super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were able to do it without spending a ton of money because it's not really the materials. It's a lot about respecting the child and using what you can have, um, and making it work for your family. Um, following the child that always works, following the child, um, of course, not doing whatever they want, but, you know, following the child in their interest and respecting them. I think that is the cornerstone of Montessori philosophy. On episode eight, I spoke with Sonia Kegel, an American mother of two who moved to Sweden with her husband and children four years ago. She shared her advice for anyone interested in picking up and moving to another country, even one where they don't speak the language. Do it. I mean, so many people thought I was crazy for doing this. And I believe if you want to do something, especially to better yourself or your family, you have to do your research. And there's a lot of information out there that's in English, that's not in the the language of the country that can really help you get there. And I think you should, yeah, I think it's possible to do. And you just really have to go through the process and see what's working. And it's the Nordic countries, like you said, they just, they're every year, they're on the top list for sustainable for best family life for, you know, most time outdoors. Like they're just always hitting those goals and they're doing something right here. You know, like a lot of times when I tell them the Swedish people, how things would be done in America, they're often shocked because they don't even realize how good they have it here until they hear otherwise. And don't be afraid. I mean, especially if you move to Sweden, they're so welcoming of other cultures and stuff that the schooling is free to learn the language, take advantage of it. I think that is so amazing. And I know, for example, in Germany, it's not free. I have family in Germany and 
you have to pay to learn the language. Here, they know they want you to immerse into their culture. They want you to become Swedish, to enjoy it. And so they're willing to kind of help you get there. On episode nine, I spoke with Ayana Lewis, a librarian and a Montessorian living in Denver, Colorado. In addition to her Montessori training, Ayana has two master's degrees, one in reading, writing, and literature, and one in library sciences. I asked Diana what advice she had for parents whose children are struggling with reading. Read to them and provide the oral language experience. I, I have uh, memories of sitting around, especially with folks like grandma and grandpa and uncles and, and having just time where they sit and tell stories and, and, and give that one-on-one time. So number one is spending time actually talking with your child, actually, yeah, reading to, you cannot, I cannot encourage people to do that enough. And singing and singing those rhyming songs and those songs you used to sing and learning some new ones and, you know, um, and learning songs with multiple verses. One of the beauties of growing up in Zion Missionary Baptist Church was that we had these, these songs and those hymn books. They had them in England, too, when I went to churches with three and four stanzas. And that's mm. building muscle memory. And that's also building those brain pathways and, and, and the repetition of having that tune. Music is so powerful and, and part, partnering with the words to build um, the language and, and hearing the pattern of language and the flow of language. So those are some simple things. Yes, you can take sounds and as you're walking, oh, I see a cat and emphasizing the initial sound or the end sound. Why not? We do that in, in our uh, work with the children in the children's house. Um, so parents can do that as well, but I'd say really spend time talking with your children, singing with your children, telling those stories and creating an environment of oral language richness within the home. On episode 10, I spoke with Renee Chen, a mom of two girls who moved with her husband and children from Shanghai, China to Austin, Texas five years ago. Renee sent her oldest daughter to Montessori School in China, and both of her girls have been attending Montessori School in Texas since they arrived. Renee shared her advice for families considering Montessori education. And spoiler alert, she doesn't think Montessori is necessarily the right choice for every family. I think it's a big decision to choose which kind of education for your kids. Like, uh, it should be aligned with your family culture first. Um, yeah, I, I can't say much more about the family here, but for like Chinese families, um, I think the culture is very different. You know, this is so different. Like uh, like in China, at least the young family, uh, our family is a represent, I mean, of uh, Chinese culture, not whole, but at least uh, it's, it's a representative. Um, 
like uh, when when my my in-laws here, they want to help. They also want to be helpful. And uh, I also want to be helpful to my kids. Maybe sometimes uh, we we just we want to be helpful, but sometimes just uh, hurt 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 them. Like uh, we want we we want them we 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 want them to be healthy. Just uh, okay, please drink the water in the morning. That's the first thing. Drink the water in the morning. But sometimes they just don't want to drink. And uh, and uh, the the grandparents will just uh, hand the water bottle to them just in front of their mouth. <laughs> I will feel ah uh, very uncomfortable, and uh, I can feel they are uncomfortable. You know, it's more like a pushed. You know, this is uh, just one example, and also like a. Washing clothes, uh, like the some houseworks, I I want them to take their responsibility to some houseworks because yeah, this is also a kind of respect, respect, right? Um, so, but uh, but uh, but uh, like the grandparents want to help. They 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 when they saw the piles of dirty clothes there. You know, and they they invite them once, uh, and then they they didn't do it. They were just okay. I will do it <laughs> and uh, wash for them, <laughs> so they will miss the chance. And it, it kind of a habit. Once the habit build up, it's hard to change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of this kind of uh, examples. So pull down the shoes, pull down the clothes. You know, from the very beginning. So if and also like uh, back to the study. Like um, like in in China, we we study a lot. We have a lot of homework. Then we don't have time for the kids to do the housework. Mm-hmm. But the parents will think, okay, if you could finish your homework, well, I can do the housework for you. But uh, I think I'm sorry, it's not in this way, right? So if the family culture is not aligned with not sorry, like uh, you are you are an individual, you. You are an ind- independent person. You take care of all your own stuff. So you take the conse- con- consequence, right? So if, if it's not aligned, it's, it's, it's better to reconsider it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and also, the, in public school, maybe it's uh, like, uh, okay, at this level, you need to learn this knowledge. At this level, you learn this knowledge. And in Montessori, we try to catch up the public uh, curriculum also after, like, uh, after elementary, early elementary and upper elementary. We also want to make sure the kids learn the language, uh, learn the language, learn the mathematics, right? But uh, we respect uh, more, you know, of their own talent. Maybe some of them more like uh, art, you know, handwork or music they have more chance more time to spend on it but if if these things will make make a parent feel uncomfortable yeah i don't think it will be a good decision to to join monster school right yeah i I think this is the this is the two main concerns from from my feeling yeah especially compared to the chinese culture I hope you enjoyed this look back at the early days of the Multilingual Montessori podcast and hearing some advice from the first 10 guests on the show. There are many more interviews to catch up on from the last two years, 
Scroll back through the show's history to find all of my interviews with educators, parents, professors, authors, and researchers. You can follow Multilingual Montessori on Instagram at multilingual.montessori, and you can find more resources for raising bilingual and multilingual children from a Montessori perspective at multilingualmontessori.org. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Multilingual Montessori podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening with right now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. But most of all, I want to thank you for being here, for listening to the Multilingual Montessori podcast over the past two years, whether this is your first episode or your 50th. I hope you'll stick around for the next two years and beyond.